I know you have heard this before. Work smarter, not harder. Ford has heard it too. That's why the Ford F-150 truck helps you get the job done in the smartest way possible. I mean, the pro-access tailgate alone is a game changer. It improves access to the bed and cargo, which makes it easier to load in tight spaces. See? Smarter. It's also got a mobile power source and pro power on board, so you can power up to 7.2 kilowatts outside your F-150 truck. That is definitely working smarter. And imagine what you can do with that power at your next tailgate party. Tough this smart can only be called F-150. Find your local Ford dealer at Ford.com. Pro access tailgate available starting spring 2024. See owner's manual for important operating instructions. This episode is brought to you by Progressive, where drivers who save by switching save nearly $750 on average. Plus, auto customers qualify for an average of seven discounts. Quote now at Progressive.com to see if you could save. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates, national average 12-month savings of $744 by new customers surveyed who saved with Progressive between June 2022 and May 2023. Potential savings will vary. Discounts not available in all states and situations. Welcome to Talk is Jericho. It's the pot of thunder and rock and roll. And hey, have you signed up to be part of the TIJ Army? Hmm? Go ahead and do it now at podcastone.com slash Jericho. You'll get everything you need to know about this show delivered right to your email every week, including all of the details about all the episodes, who the guests are going to be, what we got going on. Be in the know. Sign up at podcastone.com slash Jericho. Do it now. And now that we got you hooked up with all the TIJ info, we can now get down to business. Two things. First, you're about to hear me and my best friend Kevin Owens live in Toronto. We did a live Talk is Jericho uh, uh, taping just like we did with Christian a few months ago. We told some stories. KO and I answered all your questions, recorded the whole damn thing. So even if you couldn't be in Toronto for this amazing uh, uh, monumental live event, you would not miss out. So that's coming up. Kevin Owens makes his third appearance on the show, and it's all new stories in front of a live studio audience. You're not going to miss it. Before we get to Kevin, second of all, I want to talk about the Royal Rumble. Yes, it's true. I am the longest Royal Rumble competitor of all time. I have the the, the longest lasting cumulative time, four minutes. Sorry, <laughs> four minutes. That's a long time, eh? That's more like a Santino Morella. Four hours, 56 minutes, and 12 seconds is the amount of time I've spent in the Royal Rumble over my entire career. And um, I'll take it. You know, I think that's a pretty cool thing. I never won the damn thing, but still, that's a, that's a record. Four hours, 56 minutes, 12 seconds. And I spent over an hour in this year's Royal Rumble. Yes, it's true. I am the hashtag 61-minute man. That's my new catchphrase, so uh, feel free to spread it. It was trending worldwide, all across the board. Royal Rumble's always a blast. Last, and uh, I knew before going in if I could last four minutes that I would uh, take over the record that was held by Triple H. And I was a little nervous because at the very beginning, Big Cass throws me over the ropes. I grab the rope and land on the apron side, run up to the top or whatever it was that I did. Something that I do every match pretty much. But I was really nervous that that night, uh, what was going to happen? What if I slip and it's the one time I can't fall and I actually do? But I did not fall. I lasted for 61 minutes. I am the hashtag 61 Minute Man and I am the record holder, the longest cumulative time in Royal Rumble 
Bible history is Chris Jericho. So add that to the list of accolades. Thanks to all of you for letting me know about that. I didn't even know about it until a couple of days before the match. So uh, very, very excited about that. And uh, once again, thanks to all of you for supporting me and for being there and for uh, being big fans of the 61 Minute Man. Talk is Jericho. My guest today is not only the universal champion of the WWE, and not only is he a, a, a totally uh, sexy guy, but he's also my best friend. I'll say it again. He's my best friend. Ladies and gentlemen, Kevin Owens! <laughs> I thought you were going to jump. I was like, here he goes. <laughs> Are we sitting anywhere? Oh, I just sit beside me out. Are we moving the tables? Yeah, we just kind of look at each other. What were they chanting? Oh, wow. That was good. That was good. Too early to fight. <laughs> there was the one guy hey, chanting. Whoa, 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 whoa. Okay, first of all. Stand up, whoever said that. Yeah. Okay. Hey. Okay, you want to be all, cool, it's time to be brave. Is that you? Come down here. Come over here. Come over here. Come over here. Come over here. Come. No, 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 no. Hey. 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 Ladies and gentlemen, Jabba the Hutt is in the house. So, as we can see, is this your attempt at looking like AJ with the vest? Okay. Is this your attempt at looking like Kevin Owens? That's exactly how Kevin Owens Good looked. Tried, it was a decent attempt at a comeback, but you just failed miserably. Let me ask you a question. You say he's the better champion. He's That's, the only champion. Is he? Okay. Here's the thing. Let me ask you this. Let me ask this. Would a real champion make a commitment and then not show up? <laughs> All right. Get this guy out of here. Go. You're dismissed. See you later. Go sit down. Go sit down. Go sit down now. Hey. Let's give him a hand. Go sit down. He tries really hard. Let's give him a nice hand. All right. Now get out of here. You've overstayed your welcome. There you go. Good way to... Uh, so, uh, the, the, by, hold on one hey, second. Hold on. Start. First of all, uh, fat guy in the viscera outfit. <laughs> hold on. Hold on. Hold on. Uh, uh, you know what happens? You know what happens when you interrupt my show? You want to know what happens when you interrupt my show with Kevin Owens, my best friend? You want to know? You want to know? Fat guy in the viscera outfit. You just made the list. Ha, 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 ha.
<laughs> You're going on there right next to AJ Styles' soccer mom haircut. So oh, there you go. So we can tell right off the bat we've got a, a loud and rowdy crowd here, Kevin. Uh, this is kind of what always happens in Toronto. Always very crazy, passionate, awesome fans. Have you worked in Toronto before, um, WWE or, or otherwise? Yeah, I came here a number of times with uh, various independent promotions. I, Ring of Honor, obviously, was one of them, but... Uh, yeah. Didn't you uh, have the first Ring of Honor show? Were you, like, the main event or something here in Toronto? Yeah, yeah, it was me and Nigel McGuinness for the Ring of Honor title, but I've also been here with other promotions, like local promotions. Uh, mainly, there's a company now called Smash Wrestling who's doing really well here. Yeah. They got a really good thing going, and... Uh, they, they yell that at their show. <laughs> yeah, okay, good. So four, four people here have gone to the Smash show. <laughs> so when, when, you, when, you, when you came here with Ring of Honor, because it, you were kind of part of the, uh, the expansion of Ring of Honor, it became kind of a nationwide, more of a real popular, the legit second promotion or third in the, in the, in the country. Was that a lot of it had to do with you and the stuff that you were doing? I mean, I'd like to think so, but obviously what helped uh, expand Ring of Honor is uh, it was owned by Kerry Silicon for the longest time. It was a great guy who was uh, running the promotion off of his own back with his own money, keeping it alive. And uh, eventually uh, there's a broadcasting company called Sinclair Broadcast Group that moved in and bought the company. Mm -hmm. And they, with their TV, like they're a TV company. They have TV stations all over the U.S., so that kind of helped expand it. But when that happened, I was... I guess at the timing was that so that I was a champion and I, or I was about to become the champion. I was a focal point of the storylines and stuff like that. So I'd like to say I played a part, but obviously there's a lot of guys, uh, really good guys involved Ring of Honor that all worked very hard to make it as good as they could. And, uh, you know, now it is where it's at because uh, a lot of people work really hard at it. And I'm one of them. But a lot of the guys, it's amazing how many of the guys from Ring of Honor are now here. It's like yeah. the whole crew of guys. Yeah, I mean, uh, you know, we obviously have NXT uh, that provides people for the main roster, but it almost seems like Ring of Honor is now providing people for NXT, <laughs> right, but right, uh, right. that's a whole other topic we're not going to get into right now. Uh, but, I mean, it's just the logical, you know, when I was a, a kid growing up wanting to be a wrestler, I didn't know how I would make it here. I just knew I have to find a way, and... Through time, you know, you just kind of, you wrestle here, you wrestle there, you get noticed here, you get, and, it, you know, it's kind of a snowball effect, but I knew I had to get the Ring of Honor in order to ever make it here, mm -hmm. because that's where most of the eyes are if you're not, uh, you know, uh, at the time, especially, you know, in 06, 07, whatever it was, if you're not a huge bodybuilder guy who looks like the, you know, typical WWE superstar, I guess you just kind of had to fight your way in, and I think Ring of Honor was a good place, like, that's where, you know... Daniel Bryan came from, and, uh, you know, at the time, I remember Daniel Bryan got signed by WWE. Nigel McGuinness was about to get signed as well, but, you know, due to medical issues, he couldn't, he, he couldn't sign, but they were both coming to WWE. Was he, was he you good, know. Nigel McGuinness? He was great. He's, yeah. I mean, I, whenever I do talk to him, I, I t keep telling him he should just come back to wrestling already, but he just won't do it. Uh, I think he's made peace with the fact that, you know, when, when he couldn't sign with WWE, that was a big blow for him, and he eventually just decided to... Uh, hang up his boots. He's still the Ring of Honor. He's a commentator now, and he plays, I think he's the commissioner. Mm -hmm. But uh, he's doing great. He was very good, very talented. One of my favorite matches is the one from Toronto with Nigel McGuinness. One of my favorite matches of all time, actually. Oh, really? Yeah. It was with him. It's yeah, not, yeah. It was a, it's because it, it, we all have guys that we know should have been bigger mm -hmm. stars, 
You know, and I always hear about Nigel. For me, it was a guy called Dr. Luther. It was a guy from Calgary that, that worked around the world. And he was so good and he could play any character. And everybody that worked him just loved it, but just never got, never, thank you, never got the break that you would expect. And it seems like Nigel had that kind of vibe as well. Oh, yeah, I would definitely say that. I mean, um, I, I think if, he, if it hadn't been for his arm or whatever kept him from getting Is that what Simon, it was, some kind of arm? He had a tricep or bicep injury that he needed surgery on, and for some reason he opted not to have the surgery because gotcha. he didn't think he needed it. But I think if that hadn't been there, he'd probably be, I mean, he'd probably be with us at Survivor Series right, right, today. Yeah, you yeah. Know? And I know that's something that he's had a really hard time dealing with uh, over the past you know, couple of years, not, not making it here. But mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I, I think you should find solace in the fact that he definitely would have made it here if right, right, certain right. sense had been different. Let's talk about, um, about your earlier years, about you saying that you were watching wrestling and wanted to be a wrestler. Because something that's very interesting, you told me this years ago, was that you actually learned English from watching wrestling. Yeah. Because you come from Montreal, mm-hmm. and you can still hear the accent, right? Montreal, great. Another great wrestling city. Are you, cla- are you clapping for Montreal right now? Really? You're, you're all from Montreal, right? Because this is probably the only time I've heard Montreal get a pop in Toronto. So. <laughs> but <laughs> I find that so interesting, though, that you, that you learned English basically via... Jim Ross. Jim Ross. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. Well, so I was always exposed to the English language because my dad, who's in the crowd right now, right there, if everybody could give him a big hand. (laughs) Mr. Owens! (laughs) Mr. Owens! Mr. Owens! Mr. Owens! (laughs) There you go. All right. So uh, my dad always watched TV in English. But I, you know, I, I was just kind of growing up around it. I didn't understand anything that was being said. But then um, eventually he rented a tape of WrestleMania 11 at the local video store, and I, started, I watched it with him. That's when I decided I wanted to be a wrestler. So I started watching wrestling religiously then. And um, I guess it was in fourth grade when I realized English, uh, like I was starting to learn English through wrestling because we had like trivia during lunchtime, mm-hmm. you know, as an activity. And... Uh, Apparently, I was a nerd who liked to do trivia at lunchtime, so I was sitting with my little trivia team, and uh, they asked what the word in English, in French, they said, what's the word for elbow in English? And I'm like, oh, well, well, Vader doesn't elbow. And I remember, like, specifically having that mental image of Vader just crushing somebody when the elbow dropped, (laughs) and having Jim Ross yell, elbow drops. I'm like, oh, hey, elbow? Like, that's right. Like, oh, wrestling (laughs) is useful. Uh, And then after that, I started watching Friends. Uh, with my dad, so that picked that up, yeah. So wrestling and friends are responsible for the fact that I can speak English right now. I'm surprised you don't walk around going, my God, my God! So wait, that was a thing. So uh, if you ask the guys that I first started training with in wrestling, I would use Jim Ross terminology because I thought it was everyday English. (laughs) (laughs) Like, slobber knocker was just a word for me. Yeah, so there I remember, uh, so my dad played in the NHL, and there's a lot of French Canadians on the team. Yeah. And so I went to school one time, and they had, you had to name, they gave you a bunch of names, and you had to say if it was a boy's name or a girl's name. So it was like Michael, that's a boy. You know, uh, Karen, that's a girl. And they had Jean, uh, Jean, J-E-A-N. Yeah. Well, growing up in a hockey household, Jean is a guy's name. Yeah. It's a French guy's name. Yeah. So I wrote it was a boy's name, and I got it wrong because it was a girl's Girl's name. They were wrong. They were wrong, right. Yeah, no, no. But right, right. Because that, spelled that way, it is a boy's name. 
Right. But what they're going for is Jeanne, which is actually my uh, sister-in-law's name. It's J-E-A-N-N-E. That's okay. the girl version. So you were right. I said I was right. And this was like in middle America, St. Louis. And I, I remember I took it home. Terrible I was like, school this isn't fair. <laughs> I know Jean Rattel. It's a guy. You can't say that. So when you, when you were finally learning English, and then once again, like you said, now everyone knows, okay, you want to get into the business, you go to Ring of Honor, you go to NXT. But even just 10 years ago, it was still kind of not that easy. So did you find somebody to train with? How did you get into the business? Well, once I decided I was going to be a wrestler, thankfully my parents never told me, oh, no, you can't do that, it's silly, yeah. you know, you got to be a, something boring, like a mathematician or something. <laughs> mathematician. So, uh, How many mathematicians are out there? <laughs> <laughs> so uh, they encouraged it, but, you know, I was 11 years old, so what am I going to do then? Uh, uh, we would just, you know, they would take me to all the shows, they would buy all the pay-per-views for me and everything, and then when I was 14, my mom threw somebody at her work uh, heard that there's a wrestling show, like a local wrestling show coming to town. It's like, uh, so there's, my mom works in a really small town, and that small town has uh, what we call the corn festival, <laughs> where they celebrate corn. <laughs> and uh, there's always a year, there's a yearly wrestling show there now. And they're like, well, the guy that could train you is going to wrestle there so you can go meet him. So my parents took me there, and what an experience this was. <laughs> Because it's not a well-set-up show. It's not like there's no cool lighting. or like There's a, a really not, like a, a terrible ring yeah. with no guardrails and just people sitting. It's outdoors on a baseball field. People are drunk and eating corn and watching wrestling, you know? <laughs> and uh, most of the wrestlers were really terrible. But I remember when I got there, at the time I'm 14, and I have, like, I think, a Steve Austin shirt maybe, and I noticed two guys in the front row that have wrestling shirts, so I'm like, oh. They're my age or so. Those guys are cool. Like, yeah. everyone else is just a drunk corn lover who wants to see wrestling. <laughs> so uh, I watched the show, and then after the match, I, I, I meet the, uh, the guy who uh, was a guy by the name of Serge Audouin, who's a local wrestler, and he was actually pretty decent. You know, I, even I, at a young age, I'd watched wrestling enough that I knew by watching him, like, oh, this guy, if I do train with him, I think I'll be okay because he, he knows, like, he was by far the best guy on that area, show, right. you know? He's the only one who didn't look. He was going to kill himself every time he had a move, you know. So uh, we met with him, and he explained how it works. Like, yeah, you could come to my wrestling, you know, where my ring is, which was in a barn, <laughs> like an actual barn. And he's like, and I'll train you. So the next week I went, and um, I, uh, I started training there. I was 14. My first class ended, and I didn't think I could make it. I was, my brain was just trying to come out of my head. I was in so much pain. So rattled, yeah. Yeah, like my mom worked night shift at the time, so she dropped me off at the barn and then left to go to work. My dad picked me back up, and then my mom called me at night. And usually I was up to like 2 in the morning, but she called me at midnight on her break, and I remember I was already asleep. So I, when I answered, I was half asleep. She couldn't believe it. She was like, are you sleeping? I'm like, yeah. She's like, well, how did it go? I'm like, oh, I don't think I can do this. And she was really astonished because I wanted it so bad. She's like, all right, well. We'll try again next Thursday, and if you can't, you can't. So then the next day, I, I, I spent all day, like, practicing falling on uh, the, the dirt outside, basically, to, like, kind of just get it out of my... And <laughs> thankfully, Thursday, by the time I went in there, my body reacted a little better. Like, my head was still in a lot of pain after, but I realized, like, I can do this. So I, I, I hung in there until uh, about, a, I don't know, three weeks later. 
the school shut down because the barn was too old and was going to collapse and everything. So <laughs> then I went uh, over a year before, you know, without training until I eventually uh, found uh, Jacques Rougeau, who oh. was known in WWE as the Mountie. No, no clapping for him. <laughs> Trust me, you don't need to clap for him. Absolutely not. You don't need to clap. Yeah. Uh, so I found his his school and I started training there. Not not a not a pleasant uh, guy. No, I mean. Um, so just a tidbit of how he is, basically. Uh, I trained with him for three years. The way he does things is his trainees would wrestle on his shows because he would also run shows. And, you know, he's got a pretty... Uh, the, the Rougeau name in, in Quebec is pretty big as far as wrestling goes, you know. So when he would announce a show, he would book a, a building that holds like 4,000 people. And, you know, he'd sell maybe 1,500 tickets and end up giving, like, 1,000 away to companies or whatever. So you'd wrestle in front of, like, 2,500 people, which mm. in Quebec was way Huge. better than anything else. You know, sure. the best you could get at the time was maybe 200 people on an indie show. But I didn't know anything about indies, so I was just, I trained with him. I'd work his shows, but he would only do shows once every three or four months. Mm-hmm. So you really weren't getting any experience, you know. So eventually, after a couple of years... Uh, some of my friends that trained with me there decided to leave to go wrestle on independence around Quebec just to learn experience, and I could see how, how good of a time they were having. And I wanted to do that too. So I asked him if we'd be allowed, if he would allow his trainees to go wrestle on smaller shows just to get experience, because at the time he wasn't running any shows. He mm-hmm. said he had health issues or whatever. So he had no shows planned. I'm like, I can't just come twice a week to this flea market, because that's where his wrestling school was at at the time. So we started, the Rougeau school started at a really nice gym. Like, <laughs> It was in a boxing ring, but whatever. It was yeah. in a gym, really professional. Like People could come watch us train and were like, oh, this is kind of cool. And then uh, I guess the rent was too high, so we moved to a flea market. <laughs> so people would go to the flea market on Saturday morning <laughs> to buy, like, I'll buy this old rug. I'll get a slushie, and I guess I'll watch these guys train for wrestling, you know? <laughs> so uh, anyway, I, can't come, I, I, I kept thinking I can't keep coming to this flea market twice a week to train on my own because Jacques wouldn't even step foot in the ring mm-hmm. at this point. Like, he would just kind of look at us and, okay. Like, just half, right. like, in a daze. Like, he's not even, anyway. So I'm like, I can't keep doing this. I need to wrestle. So he allowed, he's like, yeah, okay, you can wrestle for smaller promotions, no problem. Then after two, maybe two months of that, he's like, he calls me one day, he's like, all right, here's what's going to happen. WWE's coming to town. And that's another thing. You know, you'd always dangle that carrot of the WWE uh, relationship, yeah, yeah. which at the time I was unaware that he really doesn't have one. <laughs> You know, so uh, I'm like, oh, man, they're coming to town. Yeah, Raw events like this in a couple of months, Raw's coming and two of my trainees are getting a tryout match. And I want it to be you and another guy. But you for, for that to happen, you have to stop wrestling on the smaller shows because I don't want you to get hurt. <coughs> Excuse me. And you have to sign a 10 year contract with me, <laughs> which gives me 15 percent of all wages you make. And I'm like, at the time, I'm like, well. I'm a kid, and I don't know how this works. Yeah. I don't know. Like, well, I don't care about the, 10, the 15% money. I don't care. I, mm-hmm. I'm, you know, I'm, at the time, I was 2003. I was 19. Like, but I don't want to not wrestle everywhere else. That was my issue. Yeah. So I kept asking, please let me wrestle. And like, we don't even know when the show's coming. It could be in six months. We don't know. Like, so a month out from the show, I'll stop wrestling for the other companies. But until then, I need to keep doing this. I was doing it, like, twice a week. Even if it was 50 people, 100 people, whatever, I was having a blast. Like, I needed it. He's like, no, this is the, you, either, you either stop and you come back to my school full time to prepare for this thing, or you don't get it. Mm-hmm. So I remember taking maybe three seconds to think about it. And he's like, well, you know what? You already made your decision. And then he hung up on me. <laughs> I was 
19. And that's the last time I spoke to him. Oh, and before he hung up, he, he did say I would never make it there without him. Mm-hmm. Suck it. <laughs> I, I, Little tidbit, too, just to bring it all forward. His son, uh, who at the time when I left his school was maybe 10 or whatever, uh, is now 20-something years old, and he's huge. Huge, right. Cedric, like right? Six foot eight, yeah, Cedric. Six foot eight, whatever, hundreds of pounds. And he's, like, ripped and shredded, and he just had a tryout. And I had heard that uh, because Jacques is, um, how do you put it, crazy, that he wouldn't, let, he wouldn't let Cedric go on his own. Like an adult, he had to go there too for the tryout. Even though people told him, you don't need to come. Right. It's like, no, I'm going. I happened to be in Florida the first day of the tryout. So, of course, I'm like, Jacques is going to be there. I'm going. <laughs> Unfortunately for me, when I went, he wasn't there. Mm. He ended up showing up in the afternoon. I was already gone. Man, how sweet would it have been to walk in there. For all it does, it's not. But like, I walk in there like... The first thing you see when you walk in the foreign center to the right is a picture of me with a title. You know what I mean? <laughs> Man, it would have been so sweet. But uh, how, how do you say suck it in French? Sussle. It's, it sounds a lot less cool in French than it does in English. Sussle. Hey, Jacques Rougeau, sussle. <laughs> <laughs> we had to, uh, to sign that same contract. It must have been a, 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 every school you had to yeah. sign the contract. And it was for 10% of your wages for the next 10 years. And I noticed, because I was in, it was in school with Lance Storm, and he's like, we have to sign this. And it's like, what do we do? I was like, sign it. Read what it says. We were signing 10% to the campus called Hart Brothers Pro Wrestling. It said Hart Brothers Pro Wetesting. <laughs> they spelt wrestling wrong. It was, they spelt it W-T-E-S-T-L-I-N-G. I'm like, there's no such thing as Hart Brothers Pro Wetesting. Just sign it. Yeah. <laughs> so, there you go. All right, there are some seriously talented luchadors in AEW, and not all of them speak English, which can make putting together matches a little challenging sometimes. That's why I signed up for Rosetta Stone. I'm learning Spanish, amigos. Eh, amigas, see, already learning. Haha, Rosetta Stone is the most trusted language learning program. You don't even have to learn Spanish, though, because Rosetta Stone has 25 languages, including French, German, Korean, Arabic, and Polish, and Japanese. That's what I'm going to do next. I spent a lot of time in Japan, and I still work with a lot of Japanese wrestlers at AEW like Takeshita, so having a better handle on the language will definitely show in the ring. Communication is key, and learning Spanish on Rosetta Stone has been so fun and easy. They've got this true accent feature that gives you feedback on how well you're pronouncing words, sort of like having a personal trainer for your accent. I'm using the app, but you can also do the lessons on desktop or laptop. I also like that I can download the lessons and do them offline, which is perfect for a plane. I can sit there on a flight and work on my Espanol. So don't put off learning that language. There's no better time than right now to get started. For a very limited time, Talk is Jericho listeners can get Rosetta Stone's lifetime membership for 50% off. Visit rosettastone.com slash Jericho. That's 50% off unlimited access to 25 language courses for the rest of your life. Redeem your 50% off at rosettastone.com slash Jericho today. That's rosettastone.com slash Jericho. Do it today. This, this is Talk is Jericho. All right, back to Talk is Jericho, live in Toronto with my best friend, Kevin Owens. So when you're talking about this early years, was there anybody that you were wrestling with at that point in time that's still in the business or that's still around now? Yeah, yeah, a couple of the guys 
uh, stuck around. Actually, the guy right next to my dad right now is my very first opponent ever. What? Right here. My, yeah. First opponent? Yeah. Wow. He, uh, so he was one of the two What was his wrestling name? His wrestling name was Gorgeous Mike. As you can see, he holds the name very well. <laughs> he's gorgeous. Uh, he still is. He's still, he still wrestles uh, around Quebec. And uh, he was one of the two guys in the front row that had wrestling shirts, too, at that oh, corn nice. festival. Yeah. So we trained together in the barn. And then when, I, uh, when we switched, like, the barn closed or whatever, the wrestling school closed, we went over to Rujo's together. So I've actually known him for many years. And uh, there's a couple guys that still, you know, wrestle locally. Who won, the, who won the first match between? Were you, were you oh, Kevin Steen? I did. You know why? But the sole reason... Was it I, Kevin Steen? I was, Kevin's, I was the, the kid Kevin Steen. The kid. Dude. That was Rougeau's, like, genius marketing. <laughs> oh, you know what? We're going to call you the kid. Oh, wow, that's never been done before. Awesome. So uh, I was the kid, and I was wrestling in shorts and a cut-off T-shirt. Nice. If that's not... Jeez, there you go. Yeah. Huh? And the only reason I won the first match is because... Um, so Rougeau would have us practice the match move for move to make sure everything was perfect. And I kept trying to hit a 450 splash. And I just couldn't nail it down. And this poor guy <laughs> had to lay down three times a week for months <laughs> and just pray that I wouldn't destroy him. Wow. And I destroyed him every time. My feet, my knees, everything. Just Because I've taken the Kevin Owens frog splash. Yes. And well, that ain't no treat here either, you go. I'll tell you what. At the time, I was also maybe half my weight. So we ended up, because... Because Rougeau thought I would eventually hit the 450, I was going to go over. Never managed to hit it before the first show. So we settled on a nice frog splash for the finish. But then the following show after that, we were still wrestling each other. I managed to nail the 450. <laughs> so for years, that Rougeau was obsessed. The first time I did a 450 splash, he lost his mind. He, was, he literally leaped into the air when he saw it. <laughs> then he started calling people from the gym over. Like, this guy's doing tricep curls, and next thing you know, he's got Jacques Rouge. Like, come here, come here. He's like, what? Come here. Okay, he comes, and he looks. Look, look, what are my guys about to do? And I do the 450. And like, isn't that amazing? And the guy's like, yeah, I got to finish my set. Like, they don't do this shit. So, uh, anyway, he was obsessed with the 450, so I would never lose because I did the 450. <laughs> he would just constantly put it, yeah. Even, I remember once I had a meeting at the wrestling school saying, all right, everybody, I just need you to know. If you're wrestling Kevin, you're losing because he does a 450. I was like, <laughs> you're just standing there. So, uh, because that's the thing. I mean, for a big guy, you're very agile. I wasn't that big at the time either. So really, it wasn't particularly impressive. I was, I was a scrawny, like maybe 160 pounds at the time, you know. Just he had never seen that before, mm -hmm. which is mind-blowing because 450 has been around forever, really. Right, right, right. But he was just, you know, he's always been in a little bubble. So he'd never seen that before. He literally just thought I'd, I invented it. I was the first one to do it ever. I never informed him otherwise. But Do you yeah. think that's why you're so agile now is because you train? Yeah, I just you're never stopped doing that stuff. Right, right, right. In all fairness, I, stopped, I, did, I haven't done the 450 in about 10 years now. So <laughs> next person who has to take it is going to really, <laughs> it's going to be a treat. Yeah. There is, you know why I won't do it tonight? Because I really don't need it to beat AJ Styles. So. <laughs> I already went over AJ Styles because my haircut looks like this and his looks like that. So, <laughs> but another guy you've been tied to through your whole career, even up till now, is, is Sami Zayn. Yes. Uh, yeah, great, uh, great guy. Yeah, we know how the song goes. Um, don't try and hijack my show. This is an NXT. So, <laughs> so um, when did you first meet Sami? Was it around that time frame? Because he's from yeah. Montreal as well. Yeah, it was in uh, 2002. He came to one of the shows that Rougeau had that I wrestled on. 
At that point, a couple of my buddies um, that I trained with at Rougeau School had left to go to wrestle for a company called IWS. Mm-hmm. And uh, they met Sammy there, and uh, they brought him to one of the Rougeau shows because uh, at that point, Rougeau shows were also a bit of a, like, it was kind of almost funny to go to because he was, it was catered to family. It was a family show. Right. It, it was very important for him to, especially at that point, WWE wasn't like PG or whatever. So he was still like, you know, this isn't what WWE does. You can bring your kids to my show, no problem. But he went overboard with it. Like, he's like, he'd have like ridiculous, like Spider-Man's, he had a guy dressed in a Spider-Man costume and he called him Spidey's son. <laughs> he, was like a, he had a gladiator that didn't look like a gladiator. Like, Spidey's son. The gladiator would wrestle in an outfit that looked like, well, it was a ha- Halloween costume, right, basically. Sure. <laughs> um, and then uh, he would also, we couldn't kick each other or punch each other. Wow. Yeah. Because, you know, you don't want kids kicking each other in the playground. Okay, fair enough. But, you know, it's, it's kind of hard to have a wrestling, wrestling match without, yeah. yeah. So uh, he just went overboard with it. So it was kind of, it was almost like a funny thing. Like the other wrestlers from around, like, the area would go to the shows to kind of laugh at us. So it was neat. <laughs> anyway, that's where I met Sammy. And, so Sammy uh, came to laugh at you? Yeah, I remember. Well, he didn't come to laugh at me at that point. At that point in time, Sammy had a genuine good soul, but he was just an insane person. You've met him. So the first time I met him, he was just bouncing off the walls and just like, hey, man, good show. And he's just going like this. I remember being really annoyed with him, actually, the first time I met him. I think pretty much everyone's pretty annoyed with Sami Zayn the first time you meet him. It seems to be the general consensus. <laughs> but uh, he grows on you. He like, does, but, but you, like guys, disease, you, know? you guys had a, like a, like a fungus? Yeah, kind of. <laughs> he grows on you. But you guys have great chemistry. Did you start working right off the bat? Or, yeah, um... like a year later, once I left uh, Rougeau's uh, training or whatever, his company, I immediately started wrestling for IWS and MWF in Valley Field and uh, CCW in Quebec City, like anywhere that would take me. And uh, Sam would just kind of be all over those places as well. So we started wrestling. My first, maybe not my first independent match, like on one of those small indies, but my second or third was with him. And then... From that point on. What was he uh, called back then? Uh, so, Stevie McFly was his name. Yeah. These names are awesome. Yeah. Was there ever a Stevie McFly versus Spidey's son match? No. No, because Spidey's be. son was exclusive to Jacques Rousseau. Oh, okay, sorry. <laughs> so he was Speedy McFly? Stevie. Stevie McFly. Okay, so Stevie McFly versus the kid. His pose was this. One, one, one finger. Yeah, he hand. holds his elbow and one finger in the air. <laughs> I'm sure there's a picture out there somewhere. If you look, Stevie McFly, MWF, if you Google it, I'm sure that's the picture that comes up. <laughs> he has a blue bowling shirt on, like, with the collar. And, yeah. So did you guys start cracking into the States together then as well? Yeah, well, so that was in 2003. We started doing all these independent promotions back home together. And then uh, in 2003, in September, or it was in the summer of 2003, uh, this show called Tournament of Death, which is a CZW, which is a company in, in uh, Philadelphia. Uh, it's a hardcore match tournament, right. death match tournament or whatever. And we had a guy from IWS uh, that wrestled there. His name was Sexy Eddie. Three X's for sexy. Uh, great guy. He, great guy. Not, not the most, not the, not the guy with the most common sense, is right, the way okay, I yeah. put it. He, uh, he sliced an artery in his arm with a light tube. And as he's looking at his arm and blood is pouring everywhere, instead of thinking, oh, I could die, I gotta do something, he went like this into the camera, looked, and went, he clenched his fist, which made, and then he he dragged it. Hey, 
that one thing got me, Sammy, and other IWS guys booked all over the U.S. immediately. They're like, if that's one guy, that's one IWS guy, let's see them all. Wow. Of course, none of us were like him. <laughs> but uh, thankfully, we were pretty decent uh, wrestlers. So once that happened, the next month, CZW brought four guys over for a show. Jersey Opera booked a bunch of guys, and it just kind of snowballed from there. And, uh, um, you know, that's how it all started in the U.S. What were some of your favorite promotions to work there? Because you worked all of them. Was there I some, worked a whole bunch, yeah. Was there some better than others? Yeah, of course. But uh, throughout the years, I'd say the best, the, the ones, the independent promotions are really, like, the two independent promotions that I miss now, not that I would ever want to go back, because honestly, as, much, as, as good a time as I had on the indies, I don't want to go back. Like, sure. Like, when back. I left the indies, it was time for me to leave. Yeah. Like, I was kind of over just the way of living like an independent wrestler or whatever. Mm-hmm. But the ones I do miss are obviously Pro Wrestling Gorilla in California. That was my home for a very long time. Like, I know a lot of people think Ring of Honor is what got me here, and of course it helped. You know, the, the, the notoriety I got from Ring of Honor helped a lot, but Pro Wrestling Gorilla, I think, was as important, if not more. And then uh, there's a company in Cleveland called uh, AIW, which I only started wrestling for maybe two years or a year even before I came to WWE, but I had a blast there. Mm-hmm. <coughs> Sorry, disease. Uh, so, um, disease. Yeah, uh, those two are in particular. Because Pro Wrestling Gorilla, I've never seen the show, but I, everyone tells me about it. Like it's a small building and yeah. it sells out like in five minutes. And yeah, it's almost impossible. I was just talking with somebody, some guys from Germany. They'd love to go, but they can't. You can't get tickets. Mm. The tickets literally sell out in a minute because it's four hundred fifty tickets. It's packed every show. Like, they have celebrities in L.A. that try to go. Right, Sofia Vergara and, uh, was So one, yeah. Super Dragon, who runs the show, who runs the company, won't, like, he won't let people in if you don't have a ticket. So, like, the other day they had a celebrity come in, and uh, what was his name? He, I mean, he's not a huge celebrity now, but he was, he was for many years. Like, he's Jerry O'Connell, is that it? Yeah, Jerry O'Connell, right. He tried from, to come in. From Stand By Me. He's like, oh, I yeah. want to buy a ticket. Well, sorry, we're sold out. He's like, oh, well. <laughs> See you later. So, Jerry O'Connell didn't make, like, he just literally, I think I, I saw a tweet of his, like, two months ago. He's like, hey, I made it in this time. <laughs> but, like, yeah, like, celebrities go to the show. It's, like, this really cool end thing, and it's doing really well. Everybody's telling them you should move to a bigger building. But uh, Super Dragon just won't because he likes it the way it is. He thinks it's, this, like, they also say, like, why don't you release your shows on, uh, you know, like, why don't Streaming you do pay per views or why don't you... He doesn't even, like, like to release the shows. You know, like, now you can have a show and the next day it's online for people to buy as an MP4 file or whatever. Mm-hmm. He won't even do that. He doesn't want... He, he, his business model or whatever, or what's worked for him has always been DVDs and that little venue, and that's, that's what he likes. It'll like, never he doesn't want to try to get bigger because he likes what he is now. And you know what I mean? I, I think a part of, that's part of the charm, too. You know, like A lot of companies would try to get bigger, but then you don't know what's going to happen. Well, he likes that, it the way it is. And, and that was kind of like the them. downfall for, like, let's say, ECW. Mm-hmm. I mean, for them to start making some big money, they had to get bigger. But once it got too big, then you lose some of that uh, uh, exclusiveness. You know, we're yeah. part of this club, and no one can really get in. And I think that's what would happen, maybe. Yep. You know? Now, we, we've had a couple matches over the last few months. Uh, one was the Money in the Bank ladder match uh, in Vegas. And then the other one was the Hell in the Cell match just from a couple weeks ago, which was an awesome match, you versus Seth Rollins. And um, well, do you guys think that was a great match? This is the Hell in the Cell? Yeah. yeah. The, one, try, the one time I'm looking for a pop and I don't get you one. Try to, you try to clap for Ruzo, but you don't yeah, clap yeah, for that. Yeah, cla- they clap for Sexy Eddie, but not for the uh, <laughs> Hell in the Cell match. But it, it's yeah, so, but Sexy Eddie with three X's. Three X's. How could you not clap? That. I'm clapping for that, too, right? Um, 
So both of them had like uh, what you would call a contraption, mm-hmm. which is um, some kind of a structure like the ladder match. There was a ladder here, and then you had the idea of sticking two ladders that were in the turnbuckle into the other ladder that created this kind of ladder bridge thing. And then at Hell in the Cell, it was the table that was on top of another table that yeah. was up against the, uh, the side of the cage. And you told me, like, I've always been kind of known for my contraptions. Yeah. How did you become known for contraptions? Well, so I always try to find, because, uh, you know, anybody could go through a table or a ladder. But I always, you know, going back years, if, you, if people watch my Ring of Honor or PWG stuff, like, you'll see I've always tried to make things as unique as possible. So if that involves setting a table differently or a ladder or whatever or... I've even I haven't done it in WWE, but I'm sure it'll come eventually. Where like I have this tower of doom with chairs, like eight or nine chairs that I like build. Yeah. You know what I mean? <laughs> uh, I don't know how. It's just something. I just try to be different and uh, not just do what everybody else does. Mm-hmm. That's all it comes down to, really. Have you, like, can you, what's some of the contraptions that you had, like in Ring of Honor or something? So was- Ring of Honor, the first that contraption of Money in the Bank was it came from a Ring of Honor match. Like we originally did the exact same thing with this ladder, this ladder. And then uh, I've had the Tower of Chairs. I've, had, uh, I've put a ladder from the apron to the guardrail with a table on top of that. What? Yeah. <laughs> Who was uh, that against? It was in Ring of Honor, too. Some, some, uh, I think uh, it was against the American Wolves, maybe. Davey Richards and Eddie Edwards, a tag match. So what happens on that contraption? Well, so I, you know, I tried to put Eddie Edwards through it, but he skillfully avoided it. <laughs> and later on, it came back to haunt me because they pushed me through a giant ladder through that contraption. And then, um, you know, my contraptions never seem to work out either. <laughs> yeah, almost, you're right. It almost always seems to play against me. That's somehow. right, yeah. Maybe I need to stop building stuff. <laughs> uh, one that did work out in my favor, though, is the, probably the one I'm most famous for, for independent fans anyway, is uh, the Ring of Honor. I had a ladder match with Generico, and uh, we had... <laughs> Uh, Still wondering who that is. Yeah, Never uh, found out. We had one really big ladder and then a, another somewhat smaller ladder face-to-face, and we bridge one ladder between the two, and then we bridge another ladder on top of that. So we had two ladders, a ladder here and a ladder there, and I gave him a pile driver from that ladder that was bridged through that one. through the. Good Lord. That one worked out, though. I won the match. <laughs> yeah. It's a pile driver. That's good. That's it, was, yeah. it was the last time Generico was seen in the Ring of Honor, too. Jeez, coincidentally. Wow, I've never yeah. seen him again. Odd time. wonder where he is. Yeah, I know. He's probably working, he's working in uh, I, uh, CZW. Well, actually, what he happened is he left to open an orphanage in Mexico. Mm. <laughs> and then I heard, I later, on, I later on found out that he died. Oh. <laughs> of disease. <laughs> So here you are now, though, um, and we were laughing about you know, learning how to, how to speak English from watching wrestling and being a big wrestling fan, and now you're the WWE Universal Champion, yes. which, is, uh, which is the premier most important title in WWE. It is. It is. Absolutely. It's, it, let's be honest. Raw, Raw is, the, uh, is, the, is the major brand. Always has been. Always will be. But the fact that, A, you became the champion, and B, that was three months ago now, four months ago. What was it? Somebody gave me a, a stat earlier. No, you can yell it out. Go ahead, Ed. 79 days. Yeah. Champion for 79 days here. That's huge. Yeah, the longest reigning, right. He was the longest reigning after one day, I believe I said. But, I mean, how, how did that feel for you to, to, to get the championship? Because sometimes I know, like, it's business as usual, week in, week out. But that's something pretty, pretty special. Yeah, it was, uh, it's really hard to put into words, honestly. Um, I felt like... Uh, 
so Money in the Bank happened. Mm-hmm. And it, it kind of just, uh, I, I felt like I was going to get the briefcase. Right. I really thought so. And then it ended up not being the case. And I remember thinking, man, Amber was I feel right. like I'm spinning my wheels a little. So I was starting to kind of lose, not lose, uh, I guess I was kind of starting to lose my mind. I was like, man, I really felt like that was my moment, and it's not. And then uh, after that, we had the brand split extension, and I got drafted really late. And I was legitimately really upset by that because I felt like, man, I'm going the opposite way I'm supposed to be going, you know? And then, uh, so I was a little, you know, a little down by that, but then I found out we were going to team at SummerSlam and wrestle Enzo and Cass, which was neat because I had never wrestled them before. But I still felt like, man, I'm still kind of spinning my wheels. Like, it's, it's not, I, I really, I, I remember talking to Vince even um, a couple weeks before that brand split and telling him, like, I, I'm not here to be a middle guy. I want to be a top guy. And he was like, oh, it'll come, you know? I'm like, man, it'll come. That's nice, but I feel like you should already view me that way, you know? Mm. So it was a thing, you know, it was just a, a personal, I don't know, it was a thing. And then fast forward a month later after that brand split, everything's changed. Mm-hmm. Finn got hurt, now there needs to be a new champion. And when I heard Finn got hurt, I was really upset because that moment that he had waited for and worked yeah. so hard for happened, and now it was taken away from him, and I'm obviously really good friends with him, so I was really, uh, it was really upsetting to see him lose that opportunity, but at the same time, I, I, I was thinking, like, well, now it's got to be my time. Right. Like, it's got to be. Yeah. You know? Who else is it going to be? Which is why I showed up in a suit the following week <laughs> out of nowhere. Which, which, might I say, I also showed up in a suit the following <laughs> week because I was thinking, well, maybe, maybe he'll have me do it. <laughs> so we both show up like uh, idiots with suits on. Like, what do you want to do? Oh, you, you look nice. For? You too. <laughs> what do you want a suit for? <laughs> and then, uh, anyway, so then to actually be told that you're going to become the WWE Universal Champion and for it to happen... It's very surreal. The thing about it is, you know, you wait, like, I was 12 when I saw Shawn Michaels win his first WWE title. And ultimately, whether, you know, whether this gentleman wants to agree with it or not, the WWE World Championship is the WWE World Championship. The WWE Universal Championship is the WWE Championship. They're both, it's what I've, like, it doesn't matter what you call it. When you won the Undisputed title, Mm -hmm. you won the WWE title. Oh, yeah, yeah, it's yeah. what like it's the same. It's the incarnation of what I saw Shawn Michaels win yeah, when I was twelve, yeah. and thought it's right the then direct and there, lineage. Yeah. yeah, I'm gonna win that title one day. Mm-hmm. That happened, and uh, I, you know when you wait for something for 21 years, it's uh, so it was an amazing moment. But I pictured that moment so many times in the last 20 years, like how it would happen, you know how I'd win it or who would win it against or this and that, and just like it's almost what kept me going for many years, you know. Mm-hmm. So now I can't picture it anymore. It's done now. Yeah. So now it's all about making it mean as much as I can and enjoying it as much as I can. And it turned out to be completely different than what I have ever imagined. Because I never thought it would be Triple H handing, literally handing me the title, you know. But uh, that moment, if anything, made it even more special because without Triple H, I wouldn't be here right now. He's the one who took a shot on me and he could have easily passed on me because of how I look and my style and all kinds of things. But he, he saw something enough to take a shot and he's already, you know, he's obviously been a big supporter of mine. You know, anytime I need help, anytime I need advice, he's there. So for him to be the one to give me the title, it was actually really, uh, it kind of brought everything again full circle mm-hmm. and it made for a really special moment. And, uh, you know, I just, I really wish it had happened one week earlier because in Brooklyn, I had my family there, my wife, my kids, and my parents. A week later, you know, Houston is right, right, pretty right, far right, from right. Montreal. So well, that was my one little regret, but it was a really incredible At least night. your family got to see us work with Enzo and Cass, yes. right? Yeah, they got to witness. <laughs> uh, 
It was good. History-making moment. Yeah, yeah. history-making moment. So, so you, you mentioned that Triple H like took a chance on you. How, how do you know like that that he kind of fought to get you in? Did he tell you this? Or? Well, not really. But I mean, the way it all went down, I thought was uh, so. I had never had any contact with WWE ever until uh, I heard, but it wasn't contact through me either. I just heard in 2013 that William Regal was going to be at a certain PWG show. And then I remember thinking, all right, that's my shot. Mm-hmm. If I do well enough for Regal to maybe invite me to a tryout, I know I can nail the tryout, and then you know, things will take their course. Sure enough, Regal came. We had a really good match. I wrestled Johnny Gargano that night. Maybe one of my favorite matches in PWG ever. It just worked out great, you know? We probably because of the extra motivation that Regal was there watching. Um, and, then, and Regal's a cool cat, too. Yeah. He's not never really going, him. good job, guys. Like, he'll just sit in the back so, and- the thing about it, too, is I never met him, but I was always a huge William Regal fan. Mm-hmm. So just to have him there was pretty special. You know, to meet him, say hi, I'm like, oh, man, this is pretty amazing. And then we came back, and just like you said, he wasn't like, great job. He was just like, took us aside. He's like, and he told us very, it's like, that was a fantastic match, gentlemen. You know, like, <laughs> and he's very like, serious. and he's really, this is the thing, you know, like, you watch a PWG match back then or today, and some veterans might look down on it because it's spotty or it's too much or this and that. Uh, you know, I've had, I mean, I'll, I'll throw his name out there because I don't care, but, like, I've had, like, Al Snow come to a Ring of Honor show, and I know for a fact that all he did, and at that point he was already re- working for TNA, all he, wa- he was watching a Ring of Honor show where we know what we're doing for the Ring of Honor crowd. We know exactly how to b- do our matches for the Ring of Honor crowd. And this guy who's a veteran is sitting there bashing everything he's seeing on the show next to our fans mm-hmm. because he doesn't think it's the right way, yet the six, 700 people around him are all loving it. There's veterans like that, and then there's veterans like William Regal who could have said, oh, it was way too much. What are you doing, this and that? He's like, that was fantastic. He said, there's a lot of different tastes in wrestling. There's a lot of different ways to do it. I think what you guys did, obviously, for your crowd, they loved it. It was great. Mm-hmm. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? So just to have that, it was like, man, right, right. That's, that's, what, like, that, it, that's what it's all about. But then that was it. No, like, oh, you want to come to a tryout or anything? I'm like, <laughs> Here's well, the contract. But it was good enough for yeah. me, honestly. I was like, man, that's amazing. But then a week later, I got a, a, a text from uh, Sarah Amato, Sarah Del Rey, who worked at the Performance Center already at that time. She's like, hey, William Regal wants you to come for a tryout. So I did the tryout, and then things snowballed from there. But after the tryout, they told me, you should probably look into the logistics of moving your family to Florida. I'm like, oh, man. I think it's good. But we can't say for sure, because mm-hmm. we still need the official word, which obviously means Triple H. And it took two months to get it. Mm. But I had, the, I had never met Triple H. I never heard, you know, I never talked to him. Like, man, what if he just, for all I know, he, maybe he doesn't even know who I am. Like, he might just look at one of my pictures and be like, pass. You know what I mean? But then I, they called me. He's like, no, we're offering you a contract. They did say, like, we, we have to tell you, don't get your hopes up for Raw or SmackDown or the main roster. You'll get a chance in NXT like everyone else. But, you know, but you, no might guarantees. Not, you might not be Vince's cup of tea. And I said, well, the challenge, I'm up to the challenge. And uh, Canyon Seaman, who's the one who called me, said, well, I, you know, I figure you would be. So it just kind of happened that way. So Triple H had to make that final call. But I later found out, I actually found out just a few weeks ago that I was talking to Triple H about it. I'm like, oh, you know, I re- I'm glad to see Gargano doing well because he's the guy I wrestled at PWG that time Regal came. And that's the match that made Regal offer me a trial. I was like, oh, no. Like, what? Like, well, Regal was kind of there to see you. Particularly, I didn't know that. He was like, scouting we, you. It's like, we already knew you. We already, it's like, I already knew I wanted to bring you in, but I don't know you. Mm-hmm. It's like, I can't just sign somebody without knowing them. I have to see, like, you did the trial because we had to see what kind of human being you were hmm. before. 
So I didn't know that. I thought, you know, like things just happen like that, but obviously, I guess apparently, you know, there was uh, already an ulterior motive for Regal. See, Levine, there you go. Yeah. It came to scout. But man, he played it sly. He didn't let me <laughs> he know at in. all. Yeah. So we're winding down here. We're going to get ready to, to get some questions from, from, from our fine uh, studio audience. Um, but a couple last things. First of all, I have to bring up the best friends angle um, because. Wait. There you go. It's an angle? Well, yeah, well, <laughs> Yes. <just> broke my... <laughs> but, I mean, we've both been doing this for a long time, you know, uh, and you always, when something, when something strikes gold, you know it instantly. And I've, I, I've, I've now traced it back to exactly where it started, which was in London. In England, yeah. In England, yeah. where we, I think we had some random tag match. It was me and you. It was the SmackDown special. Oh, these guys don't like each other that Monday on Raw. Let's put them in a tag match on SmackDown. That's what we used to call it. We had two TVs a week. They'd have a match on Monday, and then the SmackDown special would be a combination of two. <laughs> yeah. You know, if it was Owens and Zayn, then there was Jericho and Rollins, then the next SmackDown special yeah. would be Owens and Jericho versus Zayn and Rollins, which is probably what the match was. It was Ambrose. Ambrose, very okay. close. Yeah, same thing, right? So, yeah, so we, we had this match, and then, uh, and then when it was done, you just ran down the aisle and, like, launched yourself. Because, so... And I was like, oh, my God. <laughs> and I just braced this, and I caught you. And I was like, and then we just stood there for a second. It was, like, so hilarious. But Vince said what? Vince was very specific before. He's like, well, so when Chris pushes Ambrose and you get the victory, you act like it's, it's all you. It's a huge moment for you. Like, you, you just won the Stanley Cup. I'm like, well, I wouldn't celebrate like that if I won the Stanley Cup. <laughs> but anyway, all right. So I did. I just went overboard. I ran and jumped and hugged you, and then. You had goat on your tights. I called you goat. You called me a donkey, and it just kind of went crazy. <laughs> then at that point, I thought we were off the air. So we started kicking the cab and just doing ridiculous. Yeah. We came back to Vince Howling, so it worked and, out. And he was like, I was like, you know, there's some money there. He's like, oh, absolutely. And then, you know, here we and are. And later on, we did later. the, uh, we still weren't like a, a permanent thing. And, and then we did the It promo, remember? Yeah. Money in the Bank. He's the one who started It, by the way. Because I said... Because we had done a lot of improv stuff. We even actually even did a little demo tape to try and get our own uh, buddy cop movie for <laughs> WWE uh, films. But uh, Mike Luisi turned us down, so send all hate mail to Mike Luisi. Mike Luisi, what is getting French again? Sisler. Mike Luisi, Sisler. <laughs> so yeah, so we were doing this promo, and I, I, just, I, I just went, I said, you better watch it. And then you just threw back. Watch what? And I went, it. And then we both, you can see me start <laughs> laughing see, right at yes. the end of the promo because I couldn't gone. hold it. I was like, oh my God, that's so stupid, that's so stupid. <laughs> and they went to black. Del Rio was with us for that one yeah, too. Yeah. He was off in the corner talking about a pedo and stuff like that. That's all he'd say. <laughs> Did you guys notice towards the end of his run, all he would say in promos is call everybody dogs. Yeah. And a severe obsession with pedos. Hey, pedo. That's all he would talk hey, about. Hey, Except the one time, remember, we needed him to say it. Yeah, and he, <laughs> he didn't forgot. Say it. It's just, I'm like, one time. Come on, it just pours out of you usually, and he doesn't say it. So I had to say it. What are you gonna call me a paro next? He's like, Oh yeah, yeah, that's it. <laughs> <laughs> he still didn't say it. But uh, but that led so so. Um, I just had my birthday overseas uh, last week or a couple days ago. Yeah, whatever. November 9th. November 9th. And I've had, I think probably five or six birthdays overseas because we always have a WWE tour or a Fozzie tour, always in that time frame. So this last birthday, though, was my all-time favorite <laughs> overseas birthday ever, which was basically... So 
I'm backstage, and everyone knows it's my birthday, and I'm like, okay, so they're going to do something for me. I don't know what it is. I'm not sure. <laughs> so he comes up to me. He goes, uh, Fit wants you involved. Fit Finley's the agent. He goes, Fit wants you involved in the last match. But he's kind of got this, like, smile. And he's like, Fit wants you involved in the last match. <laughs> and I was like, okay, sounds good. So I'll tell it from my side, and you tell it from your side. So then I go to uh, the grill position to wait for, for my cue to be involved See, in the match. I should have told him that. That was a huge mistake. To what? Well, I should have told him, don't just be all sitting there, because he's going to know. Everybody's in gorilla. by the gorilla. time the show's done, there's five people watching, yeah. like, the main event like this, like, oh, my God. The like, ones we, that think they're going to get brownie points for watching yeah, the main event. Yeah, and we've seen this match, like, eight times already. And the rest are in the back. And especially, like, I, the reason I, why I knew something was going on is that New Day was sitting in the gorilla, and they're always just playing, playing video, video games, games in the back. Yeah. So I'm like, if they're out here, I know something's going on. And, like, everybody's there, right? So I come and do my run-in, and then, of course... Uh, we, we beat Seth Rollins, and then Seth is down, and then you grab the <coughs> microphone and start saying that it's my birthday and sings this wicked happy birthday rendition. Hell of a rendition. With, uh, you're my best friend, and I love you was in there, and it was <laughs> totally in key, and it was perfect. Oh, yeah. And then we went through the list of things that I wanted for my birthday, which I think was a, an above-ground bre- swimming above ground pool. Above-ground pool. A new, a new bicycle. Uh, 19-something collection of the Transformers. Transformers, which Woods popped for. And uh, the entire record, like all the the CDs from that Halloween band from Germany. (laughs) Halloween, yeah. We were in Germany at the time. I was like, and the entire collection of Halloween albums. And they popped because we were in Germany. And so then, um, and then then you call a cake to come down. And then you could take it from there. Well, so the cake was already there, actually. I'd already called it down. But then as we were talking, all of... A bunch of guys like circled the ring. I'm like, yeah, that's right. You come show Chris Jericho some respect. Then I started naming off the guys that were there, and I realized, whoa, those people all hate us. <laughs> and then I turned and I'm like, I see Seth with the cake, but you're not turning around. So I'm like, look out! And that's why you turned. And, and I had no idea when the cake came down. I even said to him, well, you know where this is going. And I thought he was going to get power bombed into the cake because he put it between two chairs. And I was like, oh, yeah, Owens is going through that cake. And literally had no idea or thought or inkling that it was going to be me. And I was looking, literally looking over at the fans, like, all right, I want my Halloween albums. And he goes, look out. I'm like, what are you talking about? I was like, oh, no, I'm going to get it. Boom. <laughs> so the cake goes in my face, and like, I don't sell it for a second. So I'm like, how did I not know that? And then the cake falls, and, and Seth pedigrees Kevin into the cake. Face Which first. was just my clever way of getting to eat cake. <laughs> so it was, it was a great birthday. We both took a couple bumps in the cake, and all I was envisioning was Vince. Yeah, dude, as I'm laying flat, like down in the cake, going, oh, no. I just, <laughs> I feel somebody fall next to me, like, what's going on? I didn't realize you just. I just took yeah, a bump because it's so slippery that the cake made me take a bump. <laughs> and I was imagining, remember when, when Steve Austin uh, shot the ring full of beer from the beer trunk? And Vince was just in the middle, like, swimming in the beer. Like, and I was just like, That's, I, I can't stand this cake. is going to make me take a bump in it. We'll take another bump in it. And it was one of the best birthdays, and it took us about an hour to get all the yeah. cake out. My scarf now smells of, uh, of sour cake. It's yeah, we terrible. ruined it. It's we horrible. ruined it, yeah. It's, it's bad. Actually, I took it to the dry cleaner, and the lady goes, ooh, this smells like baby crap. <laughs> I was like, no, it's just from a cake. She goes, no, no cake smells like that, son. It wasn't the best cake. <laughs> it was not the best uh, cake. I will say, it wasn't. It was, it was the best birthday I ever had overseas, thanks to my best friend, Kevin Owens. And uh, it's been great chatting with you in front of everybody here today. Great stuff, man. That went by fast. Yeah.
Went by fast. It always goes by fast when you talk about Jacques Rougeau. So. <laughs> I know, Jacques Rougeau. <laughs> Spidey's son, if you're out there, if someone's filming this, I want to sign up. There's a lot of them out there because he would give the costume to different You would guys. never know. Yeah. yeah, you'd never know who the exact one, like, one, one of them would grow too old to be, well, I don't, I, I don't know, I'm 22 now. I don't want to be Spidey's son anymore. All right, next 15-year-old is willing to do it, please. <laughs> I'm Spidey's grandson. Anyone? At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every goal, every game, every point, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a game-winning goal in the final seconds of overtime or a shot on the goal in the first period. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment. It's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only. Must be present in Virginia. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. Talk is Jericho. So what we're going to do now, Jared, are you going to take the microphone in the crowd and we're going to do a, oh, he's got his scarf. There you go. That's a good one. That's one of those giant Lenny Kravitz scarves. Okay. Um, so Jared. We're going to start with fan Q&A. One more time for Chris and Kevin. So what I'm going to do is, um, if you raise your hand, I'm going to try to get as many as possible in the short amount of time that we have here. I will come to you at the mic. Please let them be PG questions. If you it's a, anything else, I will toss you out. There are kids here. All right, jump down. Yo, what's your question? What's you your guys name? were great, by the way. Thank you so much. Even the guy, the AJ Styles guy. We're just having fun with you, so it's fine. Is he still here? Did he leave? He's still here. Okay, he's quiet now, though. Good. All right, good. Thank you. He learned his lesson. Uh, Chris, uh, uh, Kevin. Um, hi, my name is Ali. Nice to meet you guys. Hey, man. Um, I have a question, Kevin. Um, like, as a during your time as an independent wrestler, um, how was it like, you know, getting booked shows? You know, like how do you go about getting booked on shows, basically? Yeah. And for uh, Chris, during your longevity of your career, right? Um, like, does it get like, you know, harder to get over like over the course of the years, or or does it come naturally to you? All right, so Kevin, you go first. So I mean, all it was pretty simple, honestly. You just gotta email whatever companies you think you'd want to wrestle for, but and you know. Uh, Usually, they'll, you have to be realistic about what your expectations because most independent companies don't have money or don't want to spend money. So if you're willing to do the first couple of shows and kind of eat it on the, on the price, if you do a good enough job, you know, maybe they'll bring you back and then you can start working on, on getting more money and stuff like that. But ultimately, it's just about getting your foot in the door and a lot of that just involves getting in touch with promoters and uh, you know, maybe sending highlight video of what you can do and uh, hopefully you're good enough that they want to bring you in, you know? And uh, for, I think the, the key to longevity in this business or any business where you're kind of um, uh, in the public eye is, is to reinvent yourself and to always... Um, I never wanted to be a guy who was just kind of resting on my catchphrases from 10, 15 years ago, and there are guys out there like that, and there's nothing wrong with that. But for me, I, I, wouldn't, I wouldn't have any, uh, any joy in that. So I always find it's a challenge to constantly uh, reinvent and recreate. It's much like... Uh, I always use the Madonna theory or David Bowie, where they were different every record and had a different look and a different vibe, but it was still them. So uh, I'm trying to be the Madonna of wrestling. <laughs> You are a material boy. <laughs> hey, so uh, my question for Chris. And um, so on your podcast, all those uh, DDP segues, all those um, true car segues, do you have those all pre-written? Do you, or do you like come up with them for each episode? Because like, 
I know you might get some hate for it, but I like I like really love them. They're, you what now? I really love them. They're like so smooth. <coughs> and, uh, well, well I, I always wanted to make, actually, when I started the podcast, I listened to Steve Austin's show a couple times, and his, the, the ads on his show were almost some of the best parts, because he's, he's such a character. I mean, Steve's a total goofball, if you, you guys don't know him. But, so I wanted to make my ads part of the show, not to where you tune out or fast forward them, but to make them fun. So there's a little bit of a copy that's written down, but I'll go off, and that's why if I feel like singing a line because it reminds me of a song, or if I want to say it in a weird accent, like for some reason DDP yoga, I always say like, the DDP yoga workouts, because Hans and Franz would go, you don't do the workout, it was time for the workout, so I always just love saying, DDP yoga, do the workout whenever you can, Uh, and just, you know, it's more to pop myself than anything, and if I like it, usually other people do as well. Hey, uh, out of everybody you've wrestled, both this is for both of you, out of everybody you guys wrestled in WWE, what's been your favorite person to wrestle with? Oh, good question. Well spoken, man. Yeah. Good job. Just give him, a, give him a hand. That's a young guy there. <laughs> He's taking a bow. Kevin? I guess it always comes down to Sammy because uh, it's very easy to have a really good match with him. Mm-hmm. which is, you know, always what you're looking for. Yeah. But I've had fun times with so many people, like the list could go on and on, but I guess at the top of the list would have to be Sammy. For me, um, if you go through the career, I think that The Rock and I had tremendous chemistry. Um, I think the Rey Mysterio feud I did in 09 was, was, was perfect, and then the Shawn Michaels feud in 2008 was, was probably my favorite program I've ever had. And then as far as, like... Partners, Big Show was my favorite partner I've ever had, and then this 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 uh, best friends real life situation that we have, I think is also one of my favorite things I've ever had. I'm not I'm not just saying that either. Um, this question is for both of you guys. What would you say of any indie wrestlers out there? Who would you think you would want on the main roster or in NXT even out of anyone you've wrestled or any other promotion you've seen? Or- who we want to see from the independents here? Yeah, come basically up to WWE. Well, uh, yeah, obviously, I always answer Adam Cole to that one because I feel like it's, it's inevitable. I think he will be here. Uh, but there's a lot of really good guys on the indies. Um, you know, uh, Tyson Dukes. I think definitely, I mean, he definitely deserves, he belongs here. And if we're not talking about independent guys, I think we're just talking about a guy from NXT that should be up here. I think, again, Ty Dillinger should definitely be up. That's his thing. Yeah, it does that. I, I don't watch NXT, so I, I don't know. But I do know this. I work with a... It's not an O. I don't have time to watch NXT. That's what you guys do. Um, Shinsuke Nakamura is, is a, a very unique, uh, amazing talent with just the way he does things. Japanese, whatever he is, it doesn't matter. He's, he's got this connection with the audience that he's going to be a huge star when he comes up here. Um, I can't wait to see him come up here, and I hope it's sooner than later. Uh, hey, so my question is for, uh, for both you guys. Um, so what did, you, what did you guys think of uh, the, uh, the tag team match at NXT TakeOver for the titles, and would you want to see uh, DIY on the main roster sometime soon? So I didn't see the match, and I'm, I know Chris didn't either. We were both uh, busy last night. Uh, I wish I could have went to the show in person, but I had uh, other commitments. But... Um, I, I, would, I heard it's great, and I'm not surprised. I heard it was great, and DIY, definitely, I would love to see them here. Gargano. Uh, I've, Is that you know, Gargano and Ciampa? Gargano and Ciampa. I, Ciampa and I are actually really good friends. We've been very close for many years, and uh, 
I'm really glad to see him here. Gargano, as well, like I said, I told Triple H years ago, like a couple weeks ago, that you know, years ago I had that match with him in PWG, and I, I was glad to see him get something good out of it. Uh, I think it's just, again, a matter of time until they're here, and uh, they belong here just like we do. Good questions. All right, here she is. What has been your favorite Chris Jericho catchphrase? My favorite Chris Jericho? What's your favorite one? Uh, stupid idiot. <laughs> <laughs> the, the thing um, with those catchphrases is, that, for example, stupid idiot. Like, when I first started saying that six months ago, maybe, it was like it got heat. People would get mad at it. You've actually been Same. saying it for years. I don't know if you know <laughs> No, I don't. Yeah. Really? You've been saying it for years. Really? Okay. It just kind of started catching on but for some reason. The, the drink it in, man, that got heat, gift of Jericho, all that stuff. But I think that for me, um, <coughs> my favorite thing right now is, is putting people on the list. It's just, it's, but it's become, it's become so popular that the only way I can get any kind of heat is if I refuse to put people on the list. So, um, but that, that's just, it's so ridiculous that it makes, like I said, it makes me laugh. And if it makes me laugh, usually that translates. And if you're going old school, I mean, Welcome to Raw is Jericho is pretty, pretty classic, too. So. Thank you. Good stuff. Kevin, this question's for you. Um, in the independent promotions, you use the package pile driver a lot, and I know you use renditions of it now. Is there any chance somewhere down the line we'll see a Steenalizer? It's been a while since you've used that. Or... Um... I don't know that that one's going to happen. I don't know that the package power driver won't show up eventually, but the Steenalyzer one is... Uh, Which one is it? So it's, I get the guy up in the powerbomb, I hook their neck, and then I just throw them backwards Ooh. into the uh, turnbuckles and stuff like that. It's honestly done... It's, it's done quite a bit of damage in its day, so I don't know that it's the best thing to bring here for, for where guys wrestle on a you know, nightly basis. Which is the one where the... My favorite one. What's that one called? Well, that one's... Uh, the PG version of the package power. Okay, driver. but it's like a package power. I pick you up like that, and then I swing you out to the That's side. That's a fun move. I like on that your one. head. Yeah. That's a good one. Yeah, I'm the hey. worst with move names, by the way. I have no idea what things are called. Hey guys, I was wondering how many of your interactions uh, backstage or in on the ring are like are they improvised or are they scripted? Which ones backstage? Like, just any of the ones that you do together. It seems very improvised, like very natural. So. Um... Uh, we usually have kind of an idea of what we need to establish, like to get done in yeah. whatever segment we have, but. Uh, we usually you know, write them too. Yeah, there's obviously a lot of trust in Chris because he's been here for so long, and I'm starting to earn that trust too. And we work with uh, one of the writers that we work with. This is uh, you guys follow the Independents will know him as Jimmy Jacobs. Um, he's awesome. Jimmy, yeah, Jimmy's great, and he's got a good. Actually, the list was Jimmy just, created the yeah, list. Yeah, Jimmy created the list. He created it. Jimmy created the yeah. list. What the hell am I doing here? <laughs> Jimmy's got a pretty good idea of how to write for us so that he has, you know, he, he knows what we'll like and what we yeah. won't like, and then we kind of work three he's of us really together. Good. Yeah, I really enjoy working good, with yeah. him. He loves that we talk about him and put him over to Well, us. yeah, I mean, he deserves the credit. <laughs> he's actually be the best happy. writer that I've worked with since Brian Gewertz. He's, he's my great, favorite. Man. Yeah, absolutely. Hi, Chris. Uh, what actually happens when you're on the list? What, what, well, <laughs> I, I just want to know. You don't want to know. Remember when he said what happened to El Generico? <laughs> That's right. He you was go up... to Mexico, you open an orphanage, and then yeah. you die. He... <laughs> El... the, the worst part of which is taking care of a bunch of kids. Yeah. You know? El Generico was on La Lista. <laughs> Hi there. Uh, you mentioned your pitched buddy cop movie. 
Is there any chance you could show us some of the dialogue from it? We, we can't. We, we literally, it's not like something we had written that we practiced. We just talked we to basically each other. Tur- it's basically what we've been doing for the last hour or so. Yeah, we yeah. turned the camera on and we said, okay, so pretend that we just lost the, uh, the Partners of the Year <laughs> award at the precinct for, the, for the, like the police Partners of the Year award. And we just pressed record and we talked for about three minutes. We argued angry. about argue, lint from the dryer. Lint from the That's dryer. Issue, yeah. But fruit, how you didn't think you, fruit. You, you love fruit too much. Why do you love fruit? <laughs> and it was actually really funny. We sent it to Vince and Vince said he loved it. And then we sent it to this other guy, Michael Luisi. And he Michael Luisi can suck it, suck so. it in French. <laughs> Michael Luisi, chachon, or whatever it was. <laughs> I like your version better. I'm telling everybody to chachon from now on. <laughs> <laughs> Go Jets! You got a Jets jersey here. Wow, I thought you were gonna get booed for that. Good, good. Um, hi, I have a question for. I got the Jets tattooed right there, right on the Jason mask. There you go. Um, I have a question for Chris. I want my dad to get me one of those uh, cool jackets, the light up jackets. <laughs> uh, where, where, could I, where could I get one? Well, there's two answers to that. The, 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 the real answer is that uh, I got them made, custom made by this guy in Los Angeles who did like all of Alicia Keys and Justin Bieber and David Lee Roth, and, and we kind of created the lighted jacket on our own. Those ones are out of your price range, let me tell you. <laughs> but there is also other ones that you can buy uh, online uh, for about $400. They make them in India. And that may or may or not have been the one that was used uh, when Ambrose destroyed my jacket. I'll I'll never say for sure. Complete coincidence. You just happened to wear the one from India. Jericho, when did you make the list? (laughs) Well, are you wearing a scarf? Or no, it's just your jacket. It looks like kind of a scarf. (coughs) Uh, I haven't made the list yet. If I do make the list, I'll just spontaneously combust. (laughs) How did I make it? Oh, well, it was Jimmy Jacobs' idea, and then we have this guy. And Chris yelled at Ellis a bunch. Yeah, the guy Inside joke. Ellis. You guys don't get it. It took him about three weeks to make that uh, that piece of aluminum that you see with the list of Jericho written on it. We could have made it in about an hour and a half. But (laughs) thanks, Ellis, if you're listening, which you're not. Uh, Hello, this is for both of you. Uh, So this is just a question. In the future, who would one opponent be that you would want to face? Good question, Noah. Thank you. I remember Uh your name. (laughs) <laughs> you want to do- this is kind of a question that's got too many answers to just say one, you know, but um, I mean, I always say Brock Lesnar because I feel more than anything, I feel like people want to see it and it, it'd be interesting to see how it goes down, so that's probably the guy. I mean, if you're looking through guys like for me, I've never, never wrestled Brock Lesnar once, so that's there I re- had one single match with Undertaker that was, that was awesome um, but other than that, we never really worked each other very much. I think eventually, if, if Kevin and I ever have a match, I think it'll be awesome. I think um, so. Uh, just for fun, just for fun. It would just be for fun, like an ex. It'd be an exhibition. The tennis, tennis match. Yeah, like a tennis match. Yeah. yeah. So this is for Chris. Uh, just wondering, uh, do we see? Do you think we see any more? Uh, are you going for a 10-time Intercontinental Championship? Or do we see any other future titles in your future career? I don't know. Like, uh, um, it's funny because you forget sometimes it's like nine-time Intercontinental Champion. That's, like, to, to, to get 10 would be a nice round number. But I've kind of you know, been there, done that. 
If there was a good angle and a good storyline behind it, well, absolutely. If it's just to get it, just to, just to have the perfect 10, there you go, Ty Gillinger fans. <laughs> I know what he's doing, I'm just kidding. Um, yeah, for sure. But the only thing is I refuse to let Miz have more uh, Intercontinental <laughs> Championships than me. So if he gets to eight, then I'll go for 10. He's getting close. He's got he six now. Go. Someone yeah. told me he's got six, yeah. Chris, you're my favorite wrestler of all time. Always have been. Uh, the best Chris Jericho catchphrase is, ask him. Ask That's him. the best one. I got that from Jushin Liger. Oh, awesome. He actually says that. That's where I got it from. He'd be like, ask him. Ask him. So, so it's not uh, really yours. See, uh, my, so my, Liger thought of ask him. He thought of it. <laughs> my, my question is, um, well, we, don't, we all know your history with uh, Bill Goldberg, and, and he's one of the reasons why you left... Uh, WCW, Greenberg, yes, as you used to call him. I did, my question is, uh, is there any bad blood at all between the two of you, and how do you feel about his return coming to WWE? I think it's great. I mean, it's a huge match. People are super into I'm excited to see the match tonight, you know? <coughs> and, um, you know, I mean, you don't get along with everybody, you know, in life, but I have no problems with Bill, and I've seen him backstage a few times and said hi and said hi to his wife and son, who are very friendly and very, very nice. I think actually took a picture with his son on his first day in, which, which was probably... Uh, Made Bill blow his stack, but uh, <laughs> but yeah, I'm excited for him and I'm happy for him and I'm really looking forward to the match tonight. I want to see what happens. Um, can I be your third best friend? What did she say? Did she think she said? Did she ask if she could be our best friend? Well, come up here. Bring yeah, her up yeah. here. Absolutely. Here, come over here. I'm going to grab you like this. That's a deadlift. Look at that. Yeah. Come over here. Take a picture of this. The three best friends. All right. All right. Give me a hug. All right. All right. What's your name? Haley. Okay, Haley. So Haley, Kevin, and Chris are best friends. She's... You have. Okay, Kevin. Do you want to replace Braun Strowman on our team tonight? <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> Did you see that dude's got Braun's new shirt? Stand up. Stand up. World's okayest wrestler. <laughs> I legitimately love Braun Strowman, he's and great. I have to say that, or you'll tear my head yeah, clean yeah. off. He's, he's, he's awesome. Tough act to follow, but I have to say, Kevin, you're the most creative and uh, entertaining wrestler we've ever seen since Chris. All right. Oh, nice. I'll and, take it. And Chris, my question for you, my friends and I have always referred to you as the Madonna of wrestling at the risk of offending you, so when I heard you say that... The way you've evolved, and we've compared it to Madonna and you too. How do you find that creativity? I know you're an artist, and I know that Kevin's got it too. How, where, what place do you find that? I remember that? that somebody asked Stephen King once, where do you get the ideas for your stories? And it's like, I don't know. And I really don't know. I think sometimes I've, I'll try something like, for example, like the scarf thing. I really do like wearing scarves. It comes from Keith Richards of the Rolling Stones and kind of Steven Tyler. Like it, it's Paul Stanley. It just, I just like it. And um, so when I started wearing them earlier this year, knowing that I was going to be turning heel, but I was still a babyface, I was subtly trying to piss people off. And they're like, get this scarf, he looks so stupid, he's not wearing a shirt, why don't you wear a shirt? And it's like, ah, it's working. This legitimately <laughs> makes people mad. 
So that's kind of like you just try something and then take that little bit of a seed and, and, and grow it, you know, or like the, the, the gift of Jericho. I said that a few times and I just went, drink it in, man, like whatever. And then it was like, wow, that actually got a reaction. Okay, well, what if I take man, I drink it in, man, like just <laughs> obnoxiously, right? So that's, you just have to listen to what the crowd is doing. And Jimmy Hart told me this years ago when I was in WCW, you can always tell when something's getting over if there's a sign in the crowd the next week after you say something or the next night. Because he said you can't control you know, what people write on a sign. And that's another way of, of, of seeing what's getting over is just looking what people are, are having in the crowd and the signs that they're saying and how they're reacting to the... You know, when they started chanting stupid idiot, I was like, oh, this has now become a, a good guy thing. So, just listen. A new, if you couldn't get the wrestling job, what job would you take? Oh, uh, that's a great question. I'd be, well, I don't think I would be because they probably wouldn't let me do it without any kind of schooling, and there's no way I'd go to school long enough to do it, but I'd love to be a zoologist and take care of animals and stuff. So mainly, basically, just, since they wouldn't let me be a zoologist, I think if I wasn't wrestling, I would literally just hang around zoos all day <laughs> until they kicked me out. There's the creepy Good question, guy. buddy. <laughs> All right, thanks so much to Kevin Owens, my best friend, uh, for being here. What a great time it was. Uh, what a great conversation. He's a third-time guest on Talk is Jericho, and we are just steamrolling. He's the WWE Universal Champion. I'm the WWE Universal Champion. I'm the WWE uh, United States Champion. He's the WWE United States Champion, and that's not going to change. Thanks to Kale for joining me. I hope you loved it. And remember this also. Uh, set your DVRs because February 2nd, 9 p.m. Eastern, that's when this is the XFL, the 30 for 30 ESPN Sports special directed by Charlie Ebersol. Don't forget, premieres on ESPN. Amazing story about the XFL. We had a great time talking last week. you got to check that out on February 2nd. All right, thanks again to all of you guys for supporting this show, and thanks for supporting my tremendous Talk is Jericho sponsors. I couldn't do this without you or them, and that includes the OG sponsor, Amazon. Easiest way to help out the show, use my Amazon links whenever you do any online shopping, and you can find my Amazon links at podcastone.com. Click on the Killer Deals button in the top right corner of the page, then hit Talk is Jericho. I got Amazon links for the USA, the UK, the Canada. Every time you use Talk is Jericho, them links, Amazon kicks back a small percentage to this show to help us cover production costs. No extra fees or hidden charges. Once again, just go to podcastone.com, click on the killer deal button in the top right corner of the page, then hit Talk is Jericho. You'll find all my great sponsors there as well. DDPyoga.com slash Jericho. You'll get 25% off all DDPY merch. And when you buy a max pack or a combo pack, you'll get a second one for 50% off the price that's already 25% off. Don't forget about NatureBox as well. The best healthiest, tastiest snacks you can get. Naturebox.com slash Jericho and you get 50% off your first order. How much money am I, send, uh, am I saving you here? Uh, don't forget to uh, hit me up on the Twitter at Talk is Jericho to let me know which Jericho Network podcast episodes are your favorite right now. So many to choose from. Keeping it at 100 with Conan. Killing the town with Storm and Cyrus. Uh, I know Bulldog Bob Brown's appearances are going over big. Five days a week beyond the darkness. It's amazing. It's so scary and people are going nuts for that show. It's a huge hit right out of the gate. Of course, Team Tiger Awesome bringing up the rear. Some great funny discussions including the latest where they create their own Super Bowl. you got to check this one out. And Talk is Jericho's had some great guests lately, including uh, HBK last Friday. It's a must-listen. Charlie Ebersole, like we said. Uh, so many great things going on. Thank you so much for joining me. Uh, thank you so much for, for listening. Check out all the information at Talk is Jericho. And don't forget, hit the subscribe button on iTunes for all the great Jericho Network podcasts. Subscribe, rate, review, give some stars. 
Thank you so much. Uh, keep listening for the 60-second AP News headlines coming up next. And coming up on Friday, my Canadian musical brother, Devin Townsend, will be here. We won a Juno together. That's a Canadian Grammy. And Devin is off his rocker. Great, great, hilarious genius. He's huge around the world, and he's coming to talk as Jericho to tell his wacky, crazy story. One of the most gifted musicians I've ever heard and one of the funniest guys as well. So Devin will be here on Friday. In the meantime and in between time, stay hard, stay hungry, peace, love, and hugs, and a big yeah, boy. You can download new episodes of Talk is Jericho every Wednesday and Friday at podcastone.com. That's podcastone.com.